college, but at what cost to the parents, from courtside to the halls of Congress, what is language appropriate? And the 2020 race for president gets crowded. All this and more on this episode of Three Season of Pod. Three Season of Pod, a weekly podcast from Provision Advisors. A look at the good, the bad, and the what could be better in the world of communication. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Bashan Mann, and with me on the show are Chris Savello and John Schofield. We thank you for joining us this week. If you want more of the Provision Conversation, follow us on Twitter and give us your thoughts at ProV Advisors. That's P-R-O-V Advisors. Or check us out on the web, www.provisionadvisors.net. And as always, we look forward to hearing from you. We begin the show today, as we always do, with Rearview Mirror, a look back on the week we had and what dominated the news cycles. John, you're up first. You're a proud Villanova graduate. Uh, how much did your folks pay for you to get into college? Oh, that, that's an impossible number to quantify based on what a quality school it is. So, yeah, the, the Annapolis of the North, the Harvard of the South, as, as we like to call Villanova, um, was thankfully not embroiled in the scandal. But in case people out there in the listening world were under a rock, um, the scandal involving most notably Felicity Huffman's kid, Lori Laughlin's kid, and then a bunch of other kids of, of really, I'll, I'll, I'll just put it right out there, kids of privilege right. uh, who, were, who, were getting, who were getting this ride into elite schools because their parents are bribing tennis coaches or sailing coaches or admissions officers or other Mm-hmm. officials at these schools uh, made a lot of news this week. And, and I, I quite frankly found it in one breath surprising and disgusting and really disheartening. But in the other breath, when you, when you step back and you evaluate it and, and you just look at what these dynamics have been over the years, it's not surprising. Right, and it, this right. country, and this is going to sound a little bit bitter and not necessarily nice, but, but a lot of these schools – are not admitting um, you know, that the true students will probably benefit from the education and they're admitting the people who can afford to get in or can afford to send their kid to uh, 700 Kaplan SAT prep classes or pay for them to have elite tutors. So it's, it's really a conversation about the haves and the have nots. And I really love the, I love the, the stories out there of the kids who have overcome and, and gotten into these schools without the benefits of this bullshit, uh, because it's really, it's really upsetting. I, I know that I'll tell you a little interesting vignette about me getting into Villanova before I turn it over to Chris. I was the sole applicant to Villanova University from the state of Utah the year that I got in. Um, now, I'm not going to recount the conversation that I had between the director of admissions and myself later on mm-hmm. uh, in, my, in my career there, but I, I think what I'm saying is that it, admissions is kind of a is a delicate little dance, and there are a lot of cases where there are legacies who deserve to get in, and other cases where legacies don't deserve to get in, uh, rightfully so. But this is just plain old wrong, and it's frustrating and upsetting. And then you see the videos of Lori Laughlin's or Laura Laughlin's kid online, where yeah, yeah. I, I'm just I'm sickened by it. The whole thing is gross. Chris, what's your take? Coverage of this uh, has kind of added to 
how people view it. But for me, um, I, I think it's larger than just this particular incident. Oh, certainly. Uh, as you look at the brand trouble that American universities have had over the last decade or so, mm-hmm. the astronomical rise of the cost of college, NCAA restrictions, and you, you know the debate about paying athletes or not paying athletes, even though they bring in hundreds of millions of dollars, if not more, um, the value of the degree in general. I mean, what is the value of a bachelor's degree in terms of being able to actually go out there and do work in the workplace? Uh, when you think about how long it takes to pay off a college loan, when you think about the rising cost of college professors and staff, uh, I just see this as, a, as the latest in a series of confidence-losing uh, stories for uh, American universities and colleges. As the parent of a 12 and a, and a six-year-old, I wonder, you know, one, how much is it going to cost to send my kids to college? And is it going to be uh, worth the money for them and, and for us? So th- this was a real eye-opening and thought-provoking incident. Yes, definitely uh, eye-opening. There's there's many layers to it that the both of you just touched on. Uh, John, I will say to to your comment about the the Kaplan scores and and the like. This was a situation where even the uh, students themselves were in fact not taking those tests, uh, or either either there was a substitute jumping in there to take the test for them, uh, or in other cases uh, you had more time or could take an SAT at home, which I, I I've never heard of. One point I'll make before we shift gears is. The fact that you, you had mentioned um, Lori uh, Laughlin, the actress from Fuller House, her daughter is a quote-unquote influencer. Uh, we're seeing that now more and more, more and more. Excuse me, in the, in the days of uh, the Instagram followers and Twitter followers and the like. Uh, so she is she is deemed an influencer. Got into college under false pretense and continued to brand her platform as an influencer under the guise of a college student, therefore making untold amounts of money. Uh, in that position. Very odd when you juxtapose that against the NCAA uh, athletes uh, who are uh, out there making millions and millions of dollars uh, for their universities, which we will see in a particular tournament next week, and aren't allowed to uh, to make a dime um, and, and, and in some cases struggle to eat. So I'll just leave that out on the floor here uh, as we well, move off it, of that it's topic. Funny that you, oh, go ahead, go ahead. You bring up, and I'm, no, we are not going to move off of so it's it, it, <laughs> okay. you bring up the, the point influencers in that, you know, here we are in the same 48-hour uh, sphere after learning of this admission scandal that I watched the Fire Festival uh, documentary last night. Um, and yes. so if I wasn't already disgusted with white kids of privilege already, I then watched the Fire Festival documentary last night and was basically over the edge in terms of disgust. And, and, and you set off my memory by using the term influencer. So here, here I am, you know, and, and I am not going to feel sorry at all for anyone embroiled, not only in the fire Festival fiasco, but in the, in the admissions fiasco, other than the people who did not get in because there are scumbags in this country who, who pay um, to to usurp others who were probably more merit-based to get in, and they use the power of their dollar and they use the power of their privilege to to get over on people, and 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 mm-hmm. that is not cool of me. 
and so as I turned off the Fire Festival documentary last night, do you know how much sympathy I had for all of the victims who flew down there and got hoodwinked? Um, <laughs> zero, uh, absolutely zero. And just call him, color me bitter today, but I, I'm I'm telling you what that this this college admissions scandal I think is emblematic of a deeper rooted um, issue in this country where uh, there is there are class distinctions, there is unfairness, and it makes me sick. So many layers, and, and we could keep going on, but I know uh, we've got we've got more show to do. Uh, listen, if anyone was paying attention last week, it seemed like Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, Democrat out of Minnesota was the subject du jour for almost every talking head on television. The discussion centering uh, on her tweets and some of her comments made uh, surrounding anti-Semitism and what is or what isn't, what is, excuse me, what isn't appropriate to say. Uh, after a House resolution was introduced and passed uh, by the count of 407 to 23, condemning, quote, hateful express expressions of intolerance, end quote, it only made the waters more cloudy moving forward. Now, ironically, at sort of the same time, the sidelines of the NBA were offering us their version of expressions of intolerance, albeit in both directions. Uh, so gentlemen, uh, for those of us who, who, who were paying attention, uh, from Knicks owner James Dolan uh, to Russell Westbrook of the Oklahoma City Thunder, where are we on this discussion of what is appropriate language and when is it appropriate or inappropriate uh, to use it? Uh, Chris, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to start with the sports angle and then get to the, sure, the professional angle. You know, as a sports fan, heckling members of the other team is a is a tradition that goes back to the beginning of of all sports, right? Mm -hmm. um, almost as a way of showing your uh, support for your team. Uh, that heckling and that you know calling somebody a bum or telling them that they're no good or what whatever. I, I think for the most part. It's done in, at least for the longest time, had been done in good-natured ribbing um, in the honor of the game. Somewhere mm -hmm. along the lines, uh, and it just seems to be, in my mind recently, I don't remember this phenomenon growing up, but maybe it, maybe it occurred, where it became more and more commonplace, or maybe it's only that it's been reported that it has become commonplace, where yelling racial slurs and bringing in hate speak was part of that, um, what, you know, previously good natured ribbing. So my right. view is, is that, I mean, obviously it, it has no place in the game. And I, I understand why uh, Russell Westbrook or uh, this happened to Adam Jones in Toronto, uh, John, is that, is that right? Was it Toronto or somewhere else? I mean, it, it, it's happened throughout sports where uh, athletes of color have been um, or believe they've been, uh, impugned um, because of their race or uh, because of their heritage. And I mean, it just seems ridiculous. I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous. So I have no problem with professional athletes uh, getting emotional. I have no problem with them whipping a fan's ass if, if they were um, impugned. Yeah, malice in the palace. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just, uh, as a fan and as a citizen, I mean, you should be thrown out uh, for, for that. Now, switching to Congress, it was unclear to me whether Congresswoman Omar's uh, remarks were anti-Jewish or anti-Israel. I mean, I, I really tried to follow it. I, I would say my view was that they were more anti-Israel. Um, mm -hmm. Given her district, given her background, I, I guess I'm not surprised that she would be um, critical 
of uh, of Israel and critical of of the United States' support for Israel. And then the political hay that was made of what she said or what she didn't say, it really does seem ridiculous. And then, okay, even if you believe what she said was anti-Semitic, to cloak it in that ridiculous piece of legislation, I thought was a sad day for the folks up on the Hill. I mean, there is real work that needs to be done. So if, um, if, if Congresswoman Omar or anyone else is inappropriate, to me, it's up to the voters of that district to, uh, to, to be judge and jury. I don't know that it's up to the U.S. House of Representatives or the Senate. I mean, I know there are rules that, that cover that stuff, but uh, it just seems like a huge waste of time and a huge uh, bandwidth suck um, out of issues that uh, are much more important to the American people. John, on the, on the discussion of language and what's appropriate and what is not, where do you stand? I've always been very clear, and I am a longtime University of Maryland season ticket holder, and, and I love University of Maryland athletics almost as much as I love Villanova athletics, probably a little bit more. And the only thing that really holds me back uh, from a full endorsement of Maryland athletics is how idiotic their fans are. And, and I, I, I'll stop short of drawing the comparison or the parallel to them being the same as Redskins fans or Wizards fans, but there's there's a trend line in this area, particularly with Terps fans, where I'll have longtime season ticket holders sitting behind me at games just yelling out, you suck, to the Maryland players, you know, because of a turnover, because he missed a free throw. And I've always subscribed to a very simple um, formula with, with that. If you're not ready to say something that you would yell from the stands, drunkenly or sober, if you're not ready to say that to someone's face on the street, and, and Russ brought it up, I thought, very well in the post-game interview when he said, hey, that person would not say that to me on the street. They're, they're thinking that they're protected because they're in the stands so that they can tell me to get down on my knees because that's what I'm used to. They're ready to use hate speech. They're ready to use racially fueled speech just because they're a fan. It, 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 it's, it runs in parallel with I believe is the advent of internet muscles where people on uh, <laughs> chat rooms anonymous chat rooms love to pop off and and threaten people on Twitter or um, in chat rooms because they're protected by this nice cloak of, of separation between between themselves and the person they're attacking if you're not ready to say that shit to someone's face then you better not say it and, and you better act like an adult about it. And, and I'll say this, having grown up in Utah, Utah fans, not, not the nicest people in the world to black people. Um, I'm just going to leave that right there. But uh, I'm, I'm telling you right now that, that I would never, and I would never allow my kid to be a part of something like that. I would never say something to an athlete, to a coach, to a ref, to anyone that I wouldn't be ready to back up in a face-to-face -face conversation with them. If, if you're going to be like that, if you're going to hide behind the railing in the stands or an internet chat room, just so you can pop off and be an idiot to someone, then shame on you. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to explain. I mean, you mentioned your kids. I mean, both of us, actually all three of us enjoy bringing our kids to sporting events. In addition to just being mean-spirited and making us uncomfortable, how do you explain that to your kids when somebody yells a, a racial slur or screams, you suck, 
it really, and, and again, I just feel like it, it occurs more and more. So I, as, as I saw these stories, I, I'm trying to figure out like, are we getting worse uh, um, as sports fans or is this indicative, as you say, of internet muscles and the comfort that people have from anonymity or perceived anonymity? Is it an indicator on where we are as a country? I mean, it just, it, it really does uh, bother you as you kind of start to think about how all of this stuff intersects. Great points. Great points. Gentlemen, uh, as, as always, uh, extremely salient points and uh, appreciate uh, what, what you're offering there. Two points uh, I want to make, however. Um, I've traveled to Salt Lake City myself. Just want to give a shout out to the Kimpton Hotel Monaco for extremely dynamite service there. Um, and also, uh, as a lifetime New York Knicks fan, uh, James Dolan, if you're listening, sell the team. I'm going to interrupt. I, yeah. I am interested in yeah, your take on the... Uh congresswoman's you know how that whole thing was was handled we we mentioned it once before on here but i am particularly interested in, in your thoughts of how everything got packaged together we're at a very interesting crossroads here as we expand the uh the look the diversity of our congress to represent more more americans frankly and and, and more viewpoints uh more voices so what, what happens with that, in, in my opinion, is you're, when you bring more voices to the table, you're going to understand that Americans are, are not monolith. Just we, we celebrate different holidays. We, we, we eat different foods. We do things different uh, in the comfort of our homes uh, and in the churches that we attend uh, throughout the week. So that doesn't mean that we are necessarily uh, looking down upon or uh, uh, castigating what, what others choose to do or their opinions, but what happens when we, when we actually have more people speaking at the table, you're just going to have different viewpoints and you're going to, and if you allow yourself to listen to people, uh, sort of understand their viewpoints and where they're coming from, then maybe we'll learn something. Maybe we'll, well, okay, let me try and understand why you say that. And then the other direction, let you understand why what you said uh, was offensive to me. Let, let's sit down. We need to have those conversations and people have to be willing to say, hey, wait a minute, are, are you trying to say X? Because what I heard was Y. And we need to get to a common ground. If we, you know, we're all, everyone's sitting right down the street right now, sitting up on that, on that hill in that building, trying to do, Chris, as you said, some very important, uh, some very important work. Instead, we're sitting here hashing out, well, we can't be against this and we can't be against that. So let's sign a piece of paper to say that we can no longer uh, speak in a way that, that is offensive to this person or that person. Slow down, slow down. Because it, as people often say, and I hate when they say this, like, look, who's the adult in the room? Well, listen, it's 2019. So right now, if you don't have an understanding of uh, the fact that we are all human beings and we need to understand that we all come from a excuse me from a variety of backgrounds, then maybe you shouldn't be representing, uh, you know, representing folks in Congress. Uh, you need to understand that there are people out here across this land that have that that come from a variety of backgrounds. All right, and there are just certain things that um, aren't going to be tolerated, not going to be tolerated at all. And and if we need to sit down and have that conversation, all right, then let's have it. All right, but let's not waste any more of the Americans' time. All right, gentlemen, listen, we look back, and now it's time to push forward. Uh, we're going to be back in just a moment with Deep Dive. You're listening to Three Season a Pod.
Provision Advisors, we prepare your team for the what-ifs you never thought you'd encounter. Let us help solve your toughest communication challenges and leave your team stronger and more capable for the opportunities that lie ahead. And we're back on Three Season a Pod, and it's time for Deep Dive. All right, so last night, Beto O'Rourke jumped into the 2020 presidential race with an announcement on social media alongside his wife, Amy, bringing the total of presidential candidates to 13. With Joe Biden waiting in the wings, what does this sizable playing field mean moving forward? Gentlemen, uh, Chris, we'll start with you. There is um, real value in having that many folks uh, in the race. Um, You get to hear a lot of different ideas. You get a real sense of the spectrum of ideas on the Democratic side. Um, You know, I mean, that's sort of the the upside of it. I, I would say the downside is, is that they are really competing for oxygen and airtime among themselves. There are some that will mm-hmm. say that two years out or given how far we are out, that that's okay. You know, when you start thinking about the tactics and sequencing of it, you know, when you think about, okay, who announces when, how do they announce, what kind of runtime do they get? Are they taking away from these grassroots donors and excitement that may affect um, otherwise uh, popular candidates from having the same type of success. I I keep wondering if the Democratic National Committee or the party's elders are going to step in at some point once everybody's officially in the race, are they going to step in and, you know, kind of lay out unofficial markers in terms of how the party needs to whittle down from, you know, that, that big number. Um, so it, it's been interesting to watch. Uh, and I would say for right now, it's a, it's a great idea generator. It's a, it's a great soundbite generator and you get a sense of where everybody is. I think as you get into the late stages of 2019 and the early stages of 2020, um, a mm-hmm. field that large could become problematic. I look at it from from two different perspectives here. And the first one is, I'm really happy that there are so many people out there who believe that they can make so much of a difference. That, that's a huge leap, professionally and personally. You're doing so at, at a great risk to yourself financially, personally. You're putting your family through a great deal of, of microscopic attention to, to run for president. And and although I know that a lot of people who run for president are doing so out of a, a yearning for personal power, uh, it, it really seems like a great many of these candidates are doing so because they want this country to be better. Well, that's 13 more people that that want this country to be better than, than otherwise. So I'm, I'm happy for that. But at the same time, to Chris's point, I think it dilutes it. I, I think that it it robs each of them of a greater platform to get their to get their words across. You know, just monitoring Twitter, we're at the point now where there are so many candidates that they're actually putting on Twitter the proper way to pronounce their names. It's Kirsten. It's Beto. It's you know that it it speaks to the how widespread um, the talent pool is, and and yeah, as as someone who who wants to get a really good race and a really good president uh, in place in 2022, I, I think, or 2020, I, I think that the the idea here should be that you take that pool of 13 and get them down to the, to the real players. Um, who those players are, I don't know, but I think they've all come out with different ways and interesting public affairs uh, positions and strategies to roll out. 
uh, Beto waiting a little bit longer, Joe Biden possibly waiting even longer than all of them, um, videos for some, press conferences for others, different stances. Uh, it, it's interesting, and, and it forces us as citizens, and I would encourage the listeners here as citizens, to really research these candidates and, and find out who they are um, and, and try to support the democratic process going forward. I think it'll be interesting going forward. I think Beto, Biden, and probably either Kamala or Kirsten, you know, that when, it, when it all gets said and done, that's, that's your final four as we're in March Madness. Um, who that UNBC uh, upset special is going to be, I, I don't know. That was for you. <laughs> oh, I love you. Um, for me, John, you, you spoke about the, the public relations aspect. And for our business, you know, our, our focus, I'm, I'm so keenly looking at that and how um, I think these individuals are choosing, uh, as you mentioned, to, to roll out in the, in the time in how they do it, paying very close attention to where they're going to get the most push. And I think if anything, if you, know, if you made, made Joe Biden uh, drink some sodium pentanol, I think he's, he's hesitating as he doesn't quite, doesn't quite know or they're being very cautious about how they navigate the announcement um, because they may be just a little bit unsure of the, you know, the, the tumultuous, uneven ground of social media and, and, and how fast things can move and how one little slip, uh, as you saw, he made a comment about Pence in, in favor of Pence being a, uh, I, I, gosh, I don't want to get it wrong, but I, I think he said that he was a decent guy. Uh, and then you saw just the Twitterverse explode like, oh my gosh, Joe Biden, have you lost your mind? And everybody was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, and he's retracting a statement and having to go back. So I think for, for an elder statesman like Joe Biden, that's something that they have to watch very carefully. Uh, and then you see Better O'Rourke last night using uh, social media, just a, a quick, uh, you know, a quick video uh, alongside his wife, which has sort of been his, his thing, right? Like he went on that little solo road trip and he's, you know, sharing things on Instagram, sharing things on Twitter, trying to catch those, those young voters and get the attention uh, of those folks that will give him that push. So I think that's a very large part uh, of what's gonna be happening here as this field continues to grow. I, I really thought Beto would wait, and I still think that Joe Biden is waiting until after the Mueller report comes out. Because to Chris's point a couple of pods ago, you've got this gigantic, just gigantic sump on the news cycle waiting out there. When is this going to come out and be the only thing this country talks about for a couple of weeks? I, I just thought Beto was going to wait until then. And then the other observation, I'll end with this. From the three C's perspective, when Beto came out with his announcement last night, how distractingly happy did Mrs. O'Rourke look? Like she was, she was just way too happy. And, and I don't know if she's actually that happy all the time. If she is, give me, give me whatever she's drinking. I think from today, we're 600 days away from the uh, 2020 election. Uh, Joe Biden leads every national poll in the Democratic primary, uh, tracked by Real Clear Politics. Um, his support right now is in the high 20s or low 30s. Um, and what you've heard from a lot of the pundits is, is that, hey, at this point, it is uh, really just name recognition and, you know, residual from things that they've done throughout their political career. The Washington Post earlier in the week kind of put out at this point, you know, who was leading when. In 2008, Hillary Clinton was leading by almost 12 points. 
in 2008 on the Republican side, Rudy Giuliani was leading by 15 points. Governors Walker and Bush, respectively, were tied at the top of the field. Um, with So if you look at Clinton in 2008, uh, Giuliani in 2008, and Walker and Bush in 2016, um, I mean, at this point, it really meant nothing. And uh, th that name recognition evaporated and, you know, ultimately a more charismatic and more appealing candidate, uh, you know, rose uh, up in the polls. So um, I think it's interesting at this point. Um, I just wonder how relevant, you know, all of these people are and, um, you know, when the real race will begin. Um, and if I'm Joe Biden, I'm watching those trends very closely. Um, and, and worrying if uh, name recognition and the trend of name recognition actually hurts me. Can I call you Joe? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent point. Uh, folks, listen, we're going to continue and come right back with On the Horizon. Stay with us. You're listening to Three Season of Hot. At Provision Advisors, we specialize in strategic communication planning, execution, and coaching for senior-level leaders and communicators dedicated to achieving success. We work together with your team to achieve favorable outcomes amid contentious or controversial issues which directly impact relationships and market identity. Welcome back to 3Cs with Provision Advisors. Let's look out on the horizon at what the next week may bring. Chris, take it away. So I'm uh, keeping an eye on the military and civilian leadership of the Defense Department going over to the Hill and testifying. Uh, the Secretary of Defense and uh, Chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff were on the Hill today. The President's budget was uh, really kind of rolled out to very little fanfare. Um, and, and, you know, there's a, this wide view that uh, the budget as submitted has really zero chance of, uh, of getting through the Congress. And so it's really going to be, I think, incumbent upon these uh, Defense Department leaders to really make a case for why they need larger and, uh, and more capable services, um, you know, given the amount of money that they're, that they're asking. So probably more than in future, in past years, excuse me, um, this testimony will, uh, will get more attention uh, and will likely be more important to what finally comes out uh, in, in the fall in the way of a budget. So going to keep a close eye on that. John, how about you? Complete 180 out from that. I'm, I'm watching sports, which is what I always do. But um, right. this is no what, I be, what I believe is the golden age of sports. It's, it's when spring has sprung or is about to spring um, from mid-March until, um, until about mid-June when schools get out. This is where I really believe that the nation's attention becomes captured even more so than usual on sport. That's what I'm watching, how that sort of captures the nation's attention. I mean, shoot, on the Today Show uh, yesterday morning, they had Mike Tirico and Justin Thomas on there live in like the main hour watching Justin Thomas hit a shot to the Island Green at TPC at Sawgrass. So sports obviously means a lot, particularly when it might be a little bit of a slow news day. So I'm watching sports. I, I love sports. I think it defines who you are as a person. Um, and then more specifically, and I'll end with this, I'm watching how all of these wild NFL trades and free agent signings here at the beginning of the NFL season of free agent signings are overshadowing the baseball free agent signings that have already happened and have yet to happen where people like Dallas Keuchel, Craig Kimbrell are all unsigned uh, and people are basically just counting down the days for opening day when the Orioles beat the Yankees in 
in Yankee Stadium here in late March. People aren't talking about baseball free agents anymore. It's all football, and that's a product of how how powerful your brand is. And right now, if if I'm a brand evaluator, which I think I am, the NFL is a lot better than baseball. Hey, can hey. I, um, oh, I go ahead. Mash, if I could just piggyback on that. John, I, mean, I think you raised a great point. And um, the more, I guess, toxic and nasty and divisive uh, the rest of news becomes, I, I think you're going to see more and more people flock to that golden quarter of sports as you as you laid out i mean it, it really is a, a bit of a break for your brain and a, and a bit of a break uh for you emotionally uh from all of the other nonsense that's going on in the news cycle and in the world so uh i think you're right i think you're i think even more this year it, um people are going to flock uh to those three or four months of uh of major sporting events be interesting to see what the ratings are for the players championship this weekend for march madness and for the masters happening during such a divisive time um i, I think we should track that and promise our listeners we'll come back and look at those ratings and what the impacts were and then don't forget that right around the same time as all this stuff going on on april 14th a tiny show called game of thrones comes back so right. you want to talk about something that dun, 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 from the world dun, 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 that'll be a Great words. I, I, I really have nothing more to say. You, you, you said it all. Yes, uh, spring is in the air, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, time for renewal and rolling down the windows, turning up the volume on your radio and just letting summertime by Fresh Prince. Provision advisors and three C's and a pod will be here uh, to bring you through on the, on the latest and greatest. Uh, we might be doing it from a, uh, from a baseball field or, or, or some other locale, but we'll be here for you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for joining us here on Three C's and a Pod. We always welcome your feedback, so please leave a comment below, as always. And until next week, be good, be safe, and be better. Thank you for listening to Three C's in a Pod. Have a great week.